biological harm is not included in that definition from the FCC of harmful interference. Section 704 states that no health or environmental concern may interfere with the placement of a cellular antenna. Um, It's called cell phones cause cancer. Every reduction in your exposure is worthwhile. And are there ways that we can continue without harming ourselves so much? You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, visit naturalstacks.com. Brian Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Brian Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Brian Muncy is my go-to guy. Brian Muncy is the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Brian Muncy's an innovator. All right, happy Thursday, all you Optimal Performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. This week, we are joined by Katie Singer, the author of An Electronic Silent Spring, and a consultant with the electromagnetic, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Electromagnetic mm-hmm. Radiation Policy Institute, a 20-year watchdog in the industry. Did I get that right, Katie? You did get it right. Okay. All I had, all I had was ER, EMRP. Uh, Katie, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. So before we really dive into the reason Katie's here, a um, couple of public service announcements for you guys. Um, first, as always, you can go to naturalstacks.com to see the blog post for this podcast. Katie uh, is going to present a ton of resources that you may want to follow up with. We will have all the links, all the studies, all of those um, resources for you on the blog post for this. Um, so feel free to go there and follow up with any of the research uh, that, that we talk about today. Uh, second, Go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show. If we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with free product. I want to read you guys two reviews today. Uh, One is from Jerry T. Love this podcast. I love this podcast. Ryan Muncy's interview style brings out more biohacking information out of the guest experts than any other interviewers out there. Definitely enjoy learning and listening during my daily morning commute. So if you guys want to leave a review that makes me feel awesome about myself, I will definitely read it, and I appreciate that. So thanks, Jerry. Thanks for listening. Um, And one more from Sporadicness, Integrity All the Way. Um, I was lucky to meet a few of the Natural Stacks team at the 2015 Bulletproof Conference. They gave me great info on their products, which I've used every day since that have exponentially enhanced my life. They're a great team of experienced people, serving people, and I love being part of their community. So sporadic, uh, sporadicness, uh, we love having you as part of our community. Thank you guys for your support, and please shoot me an email, Ryan at Natural Stacks. I will help you get the free product that we owe you. Uh, and finally, share the OPP with people you know. As you guys are listening to this episode today, I'm sure 
Katie will present information that you say, oh, I wish so-and-so knew this. Well, they can if you share the podcast with them. So don't be bashful about sharing it on Twitter, Facebook, email, however you want to share it. We really want to get the information, uh, especially with this episode, out there to more people. So as you can tell from the title of our podcast today, we're going to be talking about cell phones, um, electronic radiation, Wi-Fi, public health, and, and the legal side of all of this. Um, so before I really start quizzing and grilling Katie, we've all heard that cell phones um, are potentially dangerous, but then they continue to be such a huge part of our life. And um, you know, I, I think we all feel like if, if we completely shun them from our life that, that we need to put on a tinfoil hat and, and hang out with other conspiracy theorists. But personally, I've been doing a lot of research in the last month that has led me to Katie and, and to Katie's book. And I'm really happy that we have her on the show so that she can present some real science for us to help us understand uh, and, and make an informed choice for ourselves about our health and, and the future uh, of our health. So Katie, you know, we assume that cell phones are safe. Um, I guess we're, we're trusting uh, the government on this one um, or companies. How did the FCC determine that cell phones are safe? That I love that question. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep going back in order to answer it in multiple ways. But okay. let me start with the mid-90s. Um, I think it was around 1996. So whatever model mobile phone was available then, um, engineers took that mobile phone and they had what's called a standard anthropomorphic model, otherwise known as SAM, S-A-M, for standard anthropomorphic mo model. It's like a plastic dummy right. that weighs 200 pounds. I think it might even be 220 pounds and they filled his head with salty fluid. First, they took Sam's temperature. Then they gave him a phone, put it beside his head for six minutes. And then they took his temperature again. And because this plastic dummy's temperature did not change by two degrees Celsius in those six minutes, cell phones are safe. And that's it, that's all the testing there was. Right. So that's, that's and, and, and I mean, in 1996, cell phones were, they were analog, they weren't digital, they didn't have uh, Wi-Fi, there was no radiation. Right. right. And there was no testing done on pregnant women, on children. There was no testing done for more than six minutes. There was no testing done of combined exposure, as in, what if you're having a cell phone beside your head for six minutes and there's a cellular antenna 100 feet from the building you're in. Um, so that would be a combined exposure. So uh, have there been any updated tests since then now that phones are different and, you know, uh, cover, I mean, obviously Verizon and we see all these commercials with Verizon and ATT and Sprint, you know, battling over who has best coverage. So we know coverage antennas have changed since 1996, uh, as well as the phones themselves. So you're saying that the testing to determine whether or not these things are safe has not, like they haven't been retested? There have been 
thousands of studies conducted and published in peer-reviewed medical journals, scientific journals. Okay. In, in order to, but and and you know, there's of course the question: Well, why hasn't the public been informed about what those studies say? Right. And um, but let me go back just to set the scene. Okay. I'd like I'd like to go back to 1934. Okay. which is when Congress established the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. And when they did that, the FCC created a definition for harmful interference. That is, anything that interferes with existing radio or TV broadcasts. Later, of course, that definition was updated to include cellular or Internet services. So that means... You can market anything you want, according to the FCC, as long as it doesn't create electronic interference with another device. And, like, you know, if you were listening to the radio, I don't know, 20 years ago, and you had a dimmer switch nearby, you might not be able to hear the radio show clearly. Right. That's electronic interference. So the way that's written, it's it's specifying that, your signal can't interfere with other signals, but it has no no bearing on how it impacts a human. Exactly, there or or wildlife, or um, yeah. So um, biological creatures, biological harm is not included in that definition from the FCC of harmful interference, and that started in 1934. And so, if we move on up. Um, from 34, and there were, of course, lots of things that developed over the years, but now I'm going to take us back to the mid-90s. So one of the questions was, okay, are are cell phones safe for people to use or not? And that test that I just described was a test of immediate thermal, that's temperature, Mm -hmm. effects. Mm -hmm. So... um, because we're talking about non-ionizing radiation, scientists say, hey, if thermal effects don't show up immediately, then the stuff is safe. Um, So, you know, in other words, if tissue doesn't heat immediately, we're safe. Right. Well, I think we all know know that that that's not the case when it comes to, um, especially like with radiation. Well, um, I would disagree with your saying we all know that because some people don't agree with it <laughs> um, which is why we are gathered here together but um, okay um, well, but I think uh, well so so just to clarify what I mean by that is you know if we think about like our audience is not going to go hang out at Chernobyl six months after the you know the fallout okay right that would be good yeah right. that, that, that's, that, I mean I yeah. think that's what I mean like you know our, our skin's not going to our temperature's not going to go up the second that we get out of the car, but if we stay there for three more months, we Something probably... else might happen. Right. Well, and there, there are, you know, thousands of studies about the non-thermal effects, and we can get into that in a minute. Yes. Uh, I want to go back, though, again to 1996. Okay. Congress passed, Congress updated that 1934 Broadcasting Act. And under Clinton, Congress passed the Telecommunications Act of 1996. 
Section 704 states that no health or environmental concern may interfere with the placement of a cellular antenna. No health or environmental concern can interfere with the placement of an antenna. You've got it. So, so service or, you know, that communication stuff outweighs human and environmental health is what that law or bill says. That's it. Wow. That's pretty scary. It's very scary. And so, and, and now what we've done, so I'm just trying to put the building blocks in here. Right. So we've learned where, you know, where we've been thinking for almost a century that this electronic stuff is so way cool. I mean, <laughs> you know, we, we could um, send radio transmissions across the Atlantic, I think around the turn of the century, like in the early, very early 1900s. And it was so dazzling. And then we could do television. Wow, how cool is that? And, you know, we're just so enamored with this stuff, and we don't see any immediate effects. Right. So it, as humans, um, and we see our lives get more and more convenient, all that stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm um, certainly including myself in this picture of just saying, okay, there's no immediate harm. This is way cool. Let's keep going. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for our, for our listeners, we are going to, to talk about this later in our conversation about, you know, where do we draw the line? How do we protect ourselves? You know, because it is 2016, we, we are going to enjoy some of the fruits of this technology. But, um, you know, just one example of that right now. And so you guys listening are aware of this. Um, I called Katie on a corded landline. Katie does not have a cell phone. So um, she believes very strongly in what she's talking about and she practices it. So um, I think that's valuable for our listeners to know. It's interesting for me, I've done a lot of radio shows in my time, and a lot of people have required me to have a corded landline because if I have um, a voice over internet protocol or a cell phone, you can lose me. Right, right. Well, we're not live, so. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but okay, so now let me go back. Let's go back to the regulatory situation. Yeah. Um, I want to now, so I've given you the story about um, the infrastructure that allows this stuff to operate, namely the cellular antennas, and that law could not be more clear. Right. Now let's talk about um, SARS, specific absorption rates. And um, these SARS are measured in relation to mobile devices. So um, a SAR is a measure, it measures the ratio of power to weight. So power is wattage and weight would be a kilogram of tissue. Um, and again, this was decided in the mid-90s. And basically, scientists at the FCC said, okay, it's safe to have a specific absorption rate of 1.6 watts per kilogram or less for one gram of a tissue. Um, and that was for the head and the trunk. Okay. Now, for ex 
Just go ahead. Well, for our listeners, if if you've heard about the new iPhone seven and and how close it is to the safe limit, this is the number and this is the the specific um, measurement that that has brought the i seven iPhone seven into you know question recently. But Katie, can you can you explain like because I, 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 I did some reading on this and, and I saw that. Um, when these safe, quote unquote, safe levels were, were established, um, they, they weren't putting the cell phones right up against human skin, right? And, and were they using the SAM again, the same like dummy? Honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Um, I know that, um, well, let me, let me explain a couple other things. Okay. But I know that children and pregnant women were not considered and children can absorb 10 times, their skulls will absorb about 10 times as much microwave radiation as an adult skull. Their brains will absorb twice as much. So in terms of the amount of fluid for the area, the amount of fluid in a child's brain for the area in question, they're going to absorb, their brains are going to absorb more radiation, if you follow that logic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the FCC has never tested for children or for pregnant women. But I want to explain another thing about SARS. So I, we said that um, the head and the trunk, according to the FCC, can safely absorb 1.6 watts per kilogram um, over one cube of tissue, one centimeter squared of tissue. In terms of the extremities, namely the feet and the hands, there the FCC allows four watts per kilogram over um, one centimeter squared of tissue. So it's almost three times as much that they allow the feet and the hands to absorb safely. Here's where it gets interesting. In September, or wait, it was August of 2013, the FCC reclassified the pinna of our ears. That's the outer part of our ears. So about three and a half years ago, the FCC determined that the outer part of our ears is an extremity. So that allows it to have the rating up to four. For the song. Correct. Correct. And is that for like Bluetooth headphones or, or all headphones or just, just to have the phone itself? Um, it just means that um, they, a manufacturer can have a phone with a SAR of 4.0 and if you hold it up to your ear, it's okay. Okay. So... Whether the number is four or, or one point six, uh, I mean, are those limits safe enough to protect us? There's um, a professor of electrical engineering at the University of Utah named Om Gandhi, and he has served on numerous committees at IEEE. Um, that's the Institute for Electronics and Electrical Engineers. And they work very closely at IEEE with the FCC in determining things like SAR, uh, SAR rates. Um, and Dr. Gandhi 
has said in published papers that those rates were totally arbitrary. They were determined by completely arbitrary standards. Um, he has a paper that was published, I think, in 2015. Um, we can link to it. It's called, Yes, it, it begins, Yes, the Children. And um, he explains that children absorb much more radiation than adults do, and there's no regulation that protects them. Wow. Um, so before we move off of the like the legislative and regulatory topics, I, I mean, it just it, it has a to me it sounds like like I remember from history class the word gerrymandering, you know, where, where you, they would redraw election lines to to help the election go the way they wanted, and it sounds a lot like Congress uh, through the, the especially the two that you've mentioned that that they're kind of moving the, the boundaries of the law and the legal system to kind of allow, um, you know, technology and technology companies to grow and develop as, as they wish, um, even if it's at the cost of public health. Yes. Wow. So. Let me, let me just say, I really appreciate your thinking this through so much because, (laughs) you know, I I can hear you wrestling with this as we're talking and kind of grasping it. And you've been with the issue, you know, you've been doing this research for a month and you've been reading my book and, um, and, and it's still, you know, people ask me a lot, why did you write this book, Katie Singer? And, uh, um, the answer that comes to me is, um, I learned the Telecommunications Act. I learned Section 704. And I was just like, that cannot be. <laughs> I mean, there's something really wacky there. And what is the, inf- like, is there information that the telecommunications industry had that they did not want us to know in 1996? And what is the public doing that we're just continuing to because acclimate I, to this stuff with, Apple, without yeah apple keeps it, making new phones and and they have yeah. cool launches and everybody wants one and it, well I, and there i have heard corporate you know i've i know people who've been at telecommunications conferences you know with the industry mm-hmm. and th- there's there are inc- yeah the, new devices are showing up all the time what's the point and i what i've heard is that Corporations cannot die. And in order to keep corporations alive, we, the public, have to keep buying new products. Okay, so, so corporations cannot die like, like they're impervious to that or something really, really bad would happen if they did? They would lose money. Right. right. So, so you're, you, you pose the question of, you know, was there something that they knew in 96? Was there? I mean, have you have you found this yet, or, or is it? Still yes, there? I mean there. Well, in my book, an electronic silent spring, reports on studies that were collected from early, early on. Um, many people remember that the American embassy in Moscow was surveilled, um, starting certainly in the '60s and going through the mid-70s, may even have started earlier than that. And a, 
um, it, it was surveilled and there was experimentation going on, like, hmm, how will people react to this kind of radiation? It's a similar kind that we're exposed to now. And many of the people who worked in that embassy got really sick and died. Um, there were studies conducted by the U.S. Navy and by the Russians, and we have all of those studies from the 60s. Um, um, there, I cite the sources in my book. And we've got thousands of other non-thermal effects that have been studied, um, yeah. that, that have been published. And I can tell you some of the websites where you can get really great information. Yes. Um, one is um, EM, saferemr.com, and that's published by the School of Public Health at UC Berkeley, saferemr.com. There's ehtrust.org, environmentalhealthtrust.org. Um, the Bioinitiative Working Group, their site is bioinitiative.org. And I also like babysafeproject.org, which focuses on how pregnant women and babies are affected. My site, which is electroniccyclentspring.com, has tons of resources. <laughs> um, if you click on the international hot list, I'm going to invite everyone to watch a really brief video with Jimmy Gonzalez. Um, it's called Cell Phones Ca Cause Cancer. I think it's eight minutes and you really only need the first four minutes of it. I also have a video from the Baby Safe Project group, which features the head of Yale Medical School's OBGYN department warning pregnant women um, and small children to stay away from cell phones and Wi-Fi, and he explains why. That's another really brief video. Um, so I know you're going to link to all this stuff, but um, there are tons of resources available yeah. for people. And that's, that's what really blew me away was when I, when I personally started digging into this, the, the sheer, I mean, the rabbit hole was, was huge and, and just the sheer volume of, of research and, and studies. Uh, and, and I think that's the thing that, that surprises me the most is, you know, when a lot of times when I or, or we go down these rabbit holes, there isn't the volume of academic support behind a certain topic. So it, it's kind of surprising to me that, that there's so much, um, you know, supporting what you're saying and what we as the public don't know. Um, and, and to your point earlier, you mentioned that, that you list the sources in your book. And, and that's one of the first things that stood out to me. And, and our audience is, is very aware that, that when we write at Natural Stacks, we, we cite sources, we use scientific studies from peer-reviewed journals. And, and for you guys listening, Katie's book is full of it. Every single page has citations. The bottom of the page lists studies. And you know, they're, they're from reputable journals. We've got Neuroscience Letters, the, the International Journal of Oncology. Um, and, and, you know, what, you, what you're saying, Katie, is I think you, you said this earlier, and this is, I think you hit the nail on the head where, you know, we don't see an immediate negative impact. 
so we continue with whatever that act or action is. It, 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 that's kind of the way our society works. If it doesn't immediately cause harm or pain, then we're okay delaying that. It's kind of like debt or, or, or anything else. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, there, there are tons of studies that show, um, you know, the, the negative impacts. And, and I think, I think we've all heard all cell phones would cause cancer or, you know, don't hold that thing to your head. It, it, you know, it's, it's putting off radiation. And it's easy to, to kind of dismiss that because it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's this downstream, way downstream effect. But, you know, when I, when I was flipping through your book and, and for, for the audience, you know, Katie marked a few pages that she wanted me to make sure I checked out. And, and the first one I opened to was talking about these thermal and non-thermal effects. And there's a few bullet points in here. Um, you know, that it says, many, meanwhile, many scientists have found numerous non-thermal biological effects from using mobile phones. First bullet point, after 20 minutes of use, double strands of DNA break into fragments. If the body's repair system can't keep up with these breaks, cancer and birth defects can result. And this is from a study, uh, reactive oxygen species levels and DNA fragmentation on astrocytes in primary culture after acute exposure to low-intensity micro, microwave electromagnetic fields published in neuroscience letters. Uh, that's from 2010. So I think to, to put, uh, put a mechanism of action to it to, to say like, you know, it, it's one thing to say it causes cancer, but it's, I think it's, at least for me, it gives it more weight or, or credence to say that it's actually breaking the, the DNA mm -hmm. strands. I mean, it, it is like, you can't argue that like, you know, you, you, we, I think we can all wish or, or say, Oh, cancer won't happen to me. But when you say this action causes the breaking of DNA strands, like it's easy to say, Oh, well, I, I wouldn't realize that right away. But, if, if that's what happens, then, then I can't really hope that it's not going to happen to me, right? Yeah, and uh, yes, um, and I really like your questioning this and, and saying, okay, let's put this study on the table and still we're not going to carve things in stone. We're still going to say, well okay, maybe that's all that's going on, or, you know, is there confirmation of that study? Um, those kinds of questions. I really appreciate your looking at this as a scientist, as a person who's saying, show, show me the evidence. Yeah. Well, and um, that's our audience, and, and that's, that's my nature. I, I told you that before we, we, we hit record. But just to, to help build on that, I mean, that same page, the two bullet points later, it says for digital cell phone users, which is what we all have now, we don't have the analog phones anymore unless you have the, the flip phone that only takes pictures. Um, you know, but, but for digital cell phone users who began using a cell phone as teenagers or younger, the increased risk of brain cancer is 420%. And then another bullet point on the same page, again, to kind of put an immediate... Um, I guess what it's actually doing in the moment is that exposure to electromagnetic fields activates voltage-gated calcium channels. And this leads to increased calcium levels within our cells. That's something that's happening at an acute setting, right, Katie? Yes. Okay. And that leads to the production of a series of compounds, including 
peroxynitrate, which is at the root of most inflammatory diseases, including neurodegenerative and cardiovascular diseases, migraines, allergies. So, I mean, these, these, aren't, these aren't symptoms like, oh, I'm not going to be that one in 100 that gets cancer. Like, no, these things are eliciting this response from our body just from 20 minutes of use every time you use it. Let me bring a couple of other things in. Okay, please. I, most people I know at this point in history are having some kind of health problems. Like, we're not sleeping great. <laughs> um, we can get headaches. Most people have memory problems, and I am now talking with people in their late 20s, early 30s who tell me they've got memory problems. Um, we all see people addicted to their phone. They can't quit it. Right. Um, and that's another problem. I, um, I think we could do a whole separate podcast on that. We could, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then what happens when children start using screens? Um, children, I, I am reading now that many child, many babies are using electronic devices before they have speech. Mm. And that, and we can, yeah, we could do a whole show on that. But anyway, m- most people that I'm in touch with have some kind of health problem going on. Right. And like our eyes are falling apart. Our hearing is falling apart. And we're not saying, could the electronics in our lives have something to do with this? And so... What, one of the things that I think we need to do is start asking that question. Could the device and, you know, my proxim- the, the devices that I use and my proximity to cell towers and Wi-Fi routers and all that stuff, could that have something to do with what's going on with my health? Just by asking that question, we're inviting, we're opening something up and Really, that's what I'm interested in, is opening that discussion. And, and along those lines, I think in, in the book, um, I believe it's in the, the, the section, there, there's a, for you guys listening, the, the book is amazing. It's called An Electronic Silent Spring. I, I highly recommend it. Um, the, the story that I'm about to mention, Katie has on her site. You can read it without buying the book. Um, but there was a, a cancer cluster uh, centering around a particular building at San Diego State University. Um, what's the number of, of people who have passed away from that, Katie? Oh, yeah, it's, that's, like, like um, that's really, we're, we're probably at about 10 okay. and, that we know of. And um, a lot of the people had glioblastoma multiform brain tumors. Um, it's a very aggressive kind of brain tumor. And yeah, you can read it at electronic silentspring.com if you go to click on get informed and then click on cell phones and cell towers um, I think the story is called give me a megaphone what's interesting there is that in May of 2016 the National Institutes of Health released a study through their national toxicology program this was a 25 million dollar study which is really the only study that our government has funded that I'm aware of that's, you know, uh, certainly of any substance. 
But they spent $25 million on this study. And it proves that 2G cell phone radiation causes glioblastoma multiform brain tumors and malignant heart cancers, um, heart schwannomas, and does DNA damage. We wow. can link people to that study as well. Yeah, um, I, would, I would definitely love to do that. And you said 2G. So like when we, when we right. have our phones and they're 3G or 4G, right. that's, that's even stronger radiation. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, so I would highly encourage people to read the story. It's this Give Me a Megaphone is, is actually written by a mother whose son... Uh, was a, a 28 or 29 year old at San Diego State and passed away in 2008 uh, from one of these uh, glioblastomas. Um, but she mentions the Cell Phone Right to Know Act, and and that's where I was going with with mm. this because you mentioned just opening the conversation and and informing people and um, where do things stand with that? What can you tell us about the Cell Phone Right to Know Act? Yeah. When Dennis Kucinich was a representative in Congress, he proposed the Cell Phone Right to Know Act. And it, you know, it, it left with him. Of course, it could be reintroduced. Um, I will say very bluntly that I'm not optimistic at this point politically that we're going to see changes. We're, we're going to see support from Congress in terms of increasing regulation and respect for health or the environment from this Congress regarding telecommunications. Mm -hmm. And so that for me, you know, I'm just, okay, I'm just going to be with that reality. Right. What it does though is say, okay, I still want to do something. And so we can go household by household, <laughs> and we can each work to decrease our personal e- emissions mm-hmm. and exposure. And there is there there are things that we can each do, and you know just take responsibility for ourselves to the best of our abilities. Well, and and that's a perfect segue into I think what I'd like to spend much of the rest of the conversation talking about is, you know, how can we protect ourselves? Yes. Um, so I'm just going to name these things and we can put them on the website too. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so um, first thing that you can, st- I, and I love to give things that you can start doing today. So with your phone, you can turn the Wi-Fi off and the Bluetooth off and keep those off. Um, most phones now, I think, have four antennas, one for Wi-Fi, one for Bluetooth, and I think a lot of them have two for cellular communications. So if you turn off the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, you're, you know, that's cutting down to half. Um, you want to keep airplane mode on unless you need the phone. And... I don't know how to do this, and I imagine every phone is different, but you can turn your phone into a message-taking device and keep it off so that keep keep the airplane mode on and have it, um, you know, send an alarm, say, every two hours, okay, it's time to check messages. And that way you're not 
glued to, did I get a message? You're just going to be getting messages every two hours, and you're not going to be getting zapped during those two hours. Well, you know, I I really like that, and I was not aware that you could do that. If you can, uh, I'm going to... I will, I will search for a way to do that, and if I can find it for you guys listening, uh, I will definitely post you know, the Google uh, or the, whatever the Internet says on how to do that. Um, but, but and I think, every phone is going to be different. Right. I, I think there's got to be a blog somewhere online that, that tells us how to do it for whatever our phone is. But I think to your point earlier about being uh, you know, addicted to our phones and, and to something that we've talked about with productivity hacks – on our blog and, and, and on podcasts before, you know, to, to be able to do that with your phone increases your productivity and your presence in, in any given moment uh, greatly. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a very valuable tip for, for things aside from just, you know, limiting radiation. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's keep going. Yes. Um, if you are using the mobile phone, you don't want to put it beside your head. So use the speakerphone. Um, it, it, that's my first choice, and then a headset would be my second choice. But you really don't want it beside your, your head. I think um, it, it's worth le- reading what your manufacturer warns you. Um, I think they'll say things like, keep it at least five-eighths of an inch away from your head, something kind of insane like that. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want it beside your head. Um, here's another tip. If you can get a corded telephone landline for your home, and this is complicated because, um, one of, one of the FCC's recent acts, um, in July of 2016, it's to basically support the elimination of um, copper legacy landlines by January of 2020. So there's no question that it's getting harder and harder to get a landline in your home, and (laughs) um, they're going to be more expensive, all that stuff. And then, this is very important, cordless phones in your house, even if you've got a landline, if you've got a cordless phone with a you know, base station mm-hmm. like on, on the table beside your bed or something, that's kind of like having your own private cell tower in your house. Mm. And so you really need to go to the thrift shop and get a $6 corded landline antique telephone. Um, so the phone that, just so you know, the phone that I'm using right now does not require, like, I'm not plugged into anything electric. Um, and it doesn't even require batteries to operate. There's electricity in the wire, um, you know, with the telephone signal, but there's no additional electricity. All right. You have to send me an email with a link to that phone so I can link to it for our listeners. Okay, and, and I will say m- most of the phones um, in our house <laughs> are the kind that I got at the thrift shop. Okay. And they, you know, they just had, so like their $6, like you remember those princess like, phones? Like the old school rotary dial? Oh, no, they don't, they, they thank you, we're more advanced than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, they have push button things on them, but um, 
and the model that I have, which I'll send you, does have a speakerphone, and I'm plugged into a headset um, at the same time, just because we're talking for an extended time here. Right. Um, but um, yeah, the the thrift shop is my favorite place, and those princess phones that just you know you need the. And then I also like the thrift shop because it'll sell um, really long um, Ethernet cables, you know, for a dollar. Um, nice. Then, yeah, that that's that's so, my favorite tip so, there. Yeah, that that's that, and that's going to be another question. So, you know, moving on, you know, maybe you have other tips for for phones, but you mentioned Ethernet. So, I mean, I think obviously we would want to work towards hardwiring our home instead of yes. having Wi-Fi in our home. Yes. So, and let me explain there that wireless phones wireless tablets, laptops, cordless phones, Wi-Fi routers, all of them are emitting a similar kind of microwave radiation. So, and, and every reduction in your exposure is worthwhile. Right. That's a good point. So if we go to the, um, the question of Wi-Fi, Turn your Wi-Fi off for at least 12 hours every night until you get um, wired access. Um, and there, again, different routers are going to have different methods for being turned off, and unplugging it is a really good method if you're not sure. But you want you want while you're sleeping, which is really important for health mm-hmm. um, you, you want the Wi-Fi off and then whatever's in your bedroom keep things not just turned off but unplugged this is very important and even those $10 digital electric <laughs> alarm clocks mm-hmm. those are not good those emit magnetic fields and they can be right beside your head so Again, go to the thrift shop, get a three-dollar um, wind-up alarm clock, and use that um, instead of an electric alarm clock or your cell phone for waking you up. So, a couple of questions. I'm, I'm looking at a surge protector that has a whole bunch of plugs coming out of it, and some of them are like cell phone chargers that aren't even plugged in. I should just unplug that. That. I would vote for that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And and certainly you don't want it near your, you don't want it near, you don't want it in the bedroom. Um, and like a lot of people will charge their phone in a, an outlet right beside their bed while they're sleeping or they'll sleep with devices. Mm-hmm. Um, years ago, I wrote about, um, I was writing on reproductive health and I, I wrote about studies where women who are exposed to light while they sleep have an increased risk of breast cancer. Well, then I realized, I, I read some study that some enormous percentage of Americans fall asleep with their televisions on, and that's mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. That's, now we're just talking about um, electric light exposure at night, which right. is in, um, different from 
electromagnetic radiation that the device can be emitting. So there are so many layers to this, but you want your bedroom as clean as possible. Um, And in our house, which is small, the refrigerator is on the other side of the wall from our bed. And we're extreme here. (laughs) People can think so. But we turn the refrigerator off every night. And I have not lost any food in years. And I'll tell you what I do. You know those little juice bottles like from Odwalla or whatever? Right. So you clean them out and fill them with water, put them in the freezer. Mm -hmm. And then before I go to sleep, I put about three or four freshly frozen bottles on each shelf in the refrigerator and I take the ones that have melted and put them back in the freezer and I have not lost any food. This is beautiful. I love it. And and you don't have to worry about being an extremist. If, if you, you were talking to extremists and if you weren't more extreme than us, then you wouldn't be our expert <laughs> guest, right? Well, okay. Glad to be here. So, um. here's, and here's another question on uh, like uh, devices and stuff at home. Those, um, those EMF, dirty EMF filters that you can get, are those worth uh, putting all over your house or, or no? That's a really good question. So you're talking about green wave filters and Stetzer filters, right? Um, which filter what's called dirty electricity. And you can read, my favorite place for reading about dirty electricity is at Prevention Magazine. Um, and a simple way of... Describing it is, um, I don't know if I can do it simply, but um, most devices are now designed for direct current. But at our outlets, we've got alternating current. In order to access the alternating current, the device goes through what's called a power supply, and right now most of them are switch mode power supplies. You probably remember, say, 15 years ago, there would be a black brick at the end of, a, of an electric cord. Mm-hmm. That was a linear power supply, and those were not great either. Now they're embedded in the devices. And in order to make that conversion between AC and DC, the power supply chops the 60 hertz cycle, and that creates a kind of radiation that can emanate from your walls, you know, in the wiring around your helm. So, okay, now we're going to go back to those filters. Do the filters help? Um, In the book, I present this neutrally as I could, I have certainly heard of people who have found significant improvements in their health when they put those filters in. I have also talked with people who have found their health much more agitated when they put those filters in. Wow. On my website, I have um, stuff from Al Hislop, who's an electrical engineer who explained why he thinks such filters are not what they say they are. I also have a study from Canada that says it's not good. 
Um, so I should, you know, just full disclosure say that is my bias that um, they're, not, they're not useful. I come from the place of saying unplug the stuff rather than filter. Yeah, and the, 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 the filtering purports to help with dirty power, which is different from radio frequency emissions. And people don't get clear about that. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about a, a big spectrum of radio frequencies. And anyway, you, um, I'll tell you, Ryan, where you can link to the reports that I have about yeah. filters. Yeah, that would be great. Um, and, and that's, I guess, the conclusion that I was coming to in my head as you were giving that answer is exactly what you said, that we will probably see a bigger return for our efforts if we simply unplug um, or, or turn things off uh, as opposed to trying to use one of those filters. Is that? that yes. Okay. I, I would say that, yes. Okay. Let me, let me give one other tip. Sure. Um, and, we'll take all um, the tips you want to give us. <laughs> okay. Um, so we live in a small rental house, and there's... Um, the oven and stove here are probably 20 years old and there's a digital display um, right where uh, on the panel where you turn the knobs to turn the burners on. Okay, that digital display has in it a power supply and if I put a meter in front of it to test for dirty power or radio waves, it makes really ugly noises. When, when the oven is on, all digital displays will do that. I really like having an oven, and I really like having burners. So what we did was plug the oven into a power strip, like a you know, $15 power strip. Mm -hmm. And it goes into a small drawer <laughs> that no one sees. And then we bought strikers so that when we turn, you know, if we want a burner... We just use a striker. The digital display stays off except for the once or twice a week that I bake something. And then I turn the power strip on. And I don't stand in front of that digital display while I'm cooking. Well, I, no, I mean, you just, I, I don't think we would consider, you know, absorbing radiation or, or you know, EMF from, you know, the display on our oven. So. Right. Um, microwave uh, microwave ovens also, like all of them have, you know, that clock, just that a digital display is going to do it. Um, and I would never use a microwave oven. I never have. And so, and, but it's in the house and it just stays unplugged all the time. Um, all right. Here's another question for you then. Um, like what about wearable fitness trackers? And, and, you know, they're, this is something that's new and, and kind of building on this idea of new technology and, and yeah. you know, not really worrying about the, the health benefit or health implications. I mean, this is something that is actually designed or marketed to increase people's health, but, but maybe it's not because, I mean, those are in direct contact with your skin in order to yeah. get a reading and they're, they're Bluetooth, wireless, hooked up to your phone, giving real-time feedback. Yes. Um, I can give a really short answer there, which I think you're already giving. It's like 
um, why would you expose yourself to something, you know, to more wireless radiation? Um, like it just doesn't make sense as you begin to see that this stuff is emitting microwave radiation. Why would you use that to track your health? So is there a way that you can um, ask questions about your health? Like am I um, going, you know, what are my goals and am I reaching them? Um, Can you do that without an electronic device? So that's a really simple question. But um, in answer to your question, but I want to take it to another level. Sure. do you know what the Internet of Things is? The Internet of Things? It sounds familiar. Um, Have you heard of 5G? Yes. Okay. The Internet of Things is machine-to-machine communication. Uh-huh. So right now, you can buy diapers that have chips in them that will send a message to your smartphone saying that your baby's diaper needs changing. That's, that's technology that's available now. Right. Okay. And we're moving in the direction, <clears throat> excuse me, we're moving in the direction of everything being connected to the Internet. So um, you'll go to the grocery store and buy orange juice that will have a chip that will send a message to your phone saying when you get to the grocery store, okay, Ryan, these are the things that you're out of and you need to get more orange juice. Um, Pill bottles will have chips in them. Everything that can be connected will be connected in a 5G world. That's the Internet of Things. Sometimes it's called the Internet of Everything. And Congress, not Congress, I'm sorry, the FCC passed what's called the Spectrum Frontiers Proceeding in July of 2016, and it will allow for renting, leasing of um, 5G millimeter waves in order to provide the infrastructure for the Internet of Things. So this means that like 11G, 11 gigahertz through about 100 gigahertz will be leased to telecom corporations by the FCC. Um, That's now legal. And uh, this is such a long story. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, what what does that really mean? Like, does that mean what it sounds like it means? I don't know. What does it sound like to you? (laughs) Like, like, it's, it's, again, like it sounds like another example of, you know, what we talked about earlier, but I mean, it sounds like they're basically inventing things to make money off of that yes. uh, will be marketed towards us as making our lives better, but could also potentially have, you know, negative health implications. Yes. And um, he, like, let me just tell you some of the other benefits. So right now, I think it might take um, eight minutes to download a video with high-speed Wi-Fi, with 5G, it'll take a few seconds. So you'll see increased speed and an increase in things that are connected through the Internet to the Internet, machine-to-machine communication. Has this stuff been tested on living creatures? For the most part, no. 
Um, well, it, it doesn't sound like the government has any interest in doing that. Any any tests? That's true. Any tests that's, that are done on biological uh, animals or humans is going to come from like independent research, right? Um, so when I first started hearing about five G, um, and I work, I, I have learned much of what I know from an electrical engineer and geophysicist named Gary Allheft. Um, and you can link to a talk I gave about him. <laughs> um, I'll tell you about that. Um, he, he just really briefly, um, among other things, he taught at the Colorado School of Mines for 20 years. And, you know, he's got two degrees in electrical engineering from MIT and PhD geophysicist, that kind of stuff. And in 2009, he got a deep brain stimulator for Parkinson's. So it's an implant in his brain. The wires go through his neck, and there's also a pacemaker around his heart. And if he walks through the metal detectors at the library of his university, it will shut off his implant because of the electronic interference and he'll have a few seconds to reset the implant, or he shakes so badly that he can't reset without help. Um, it's a whole other discussion around electronic interference with medical implants. Um, but let me just say, when I started hearing about 5G, I called Gary Olheft and I said, okay, what is this millimeter wave stuff? And here I'll explain that millimeter waves are much shorter. The 5G Internet of Things that we're going to, those are much shorter waves. So they can carry more data. How will that affect biological creatures? Well, that was my question. Shorter, and shorter waves are going to have greater energy, right? They're going to emit greater energy. I don't know the answer to that question. I think now you're talking about amplitude, like strength, and that's yet another layer. And I totally don't know the answer to that question. Okay. But let me, let me explain what Gary Allheff said in response to my question. So how, are, you know, how will our health be affected? Right. Um, he said, if you put a frozen chicken into a microwave oven, which is operating, operating at 2.45 gigahertz, that's about 2.5 billion vibrations per second, you'll cook the chicken. Those microwaves will penetrate the chicken and cook it. If you put a frozen chicken into a microwave oven operating... Um, at millimeter wave technology, like from 11G to like 100G, you'll boil off the skin, but you won't cook the chicken. Those millimeters won't penetrate the chicken. And then he sent me to the Air Force's radio frequency dosimetry handbook, <laughs> um, where the, the Air Force has done tremendous studies on this stuff. And they had one study that I could find on millimeter wave, um, the effects of millimeter wave exposure on humans. And people's eyes were affected, um, and, but they felt relief if they got away from the exposure. Hmm. 
in this case, we're going to have massive deployment of millions and millions of more antennas providing infrastructure for the Internet of Things, for 5G. And we won't be able to get away from it. So that's kind of the next new, brave new world that we're moving into. And if we go back to your love of solutions and, you know, the the listeners' um, love of solutions, I would say we we need to flood ourselves with questions about what we really need here. What is What are the benefits? And are there ways that we can continue without harming ourselves so much? Can, you know, what can we do to use electronics more safely? And is there a way to do this activity that doesn't involve electronics? Like certainly with children, um, I like to say no electronic device for children until they have mastered reading, writing, and math on paper. I like it. And that, that can sound really insane um, <laughs> unless... <laughs> Um, you sit with it for a while, but, um, yeah, so we, we need to be asking questions and making our own guidelines because the FCC is not going to be doing it for us. I think that's like, I mean, that's just a perfect line for, for the beginning of this show, for the end of this show. I think it's, that's exactly what I walk away from this with. And I think that's what I want the listeners to walk away from this with is that, you know, all these things that we blindly assumed made our lives better may not be. And we need to be questioning all of these things. And like you said, Katie, asking if there's a way that we can do this without exposing our, our bodies and, and our possibly jeopardizing our health, um, you know, to these things. So, um, let's do this, Katie. Uh, we'll wrap this up. I definitely appreciate your time and and all of the information that you've shared with us. This has been very enlightening. Where can our listeners get more of you? Electronicsilencespring.com. There's a ton of stuff there. And the book, An Electronic Silent Spring, is now two and a half years old. I'm going to say it's a good introduction to the biological engineering and legal issues. And it does present a a pretty comprehensive list of solutions. And it's two and a half years old. So, you know, and, and then every single person is interested in different things. So, the site, the websites that I named earlier, Mm -hmm. um, might help, you know, with different interests that people have. Yeah, I will put together um, a list of, of everything that I was able to write down. Anything I don't have, I will email you and make sure that we um, can get it covered and, and add it to the blog post so that our listeners can follow up on as many of those resources as possible uh, or, or any that they want to pursue individually. Um, Katie, one final question. 
And this is the question that every guest answers. We want to know your top three tips to live optimal. And they don't necessarily have to be on topic. Can just mm. any If you had the chance to impart three pieces of wisdom uh, for our listeners, what would you tell them? I question my thinking as often as possible. <laughs> okay. Um, I drink a lot of water, and I believe in rest. Okay. All right. Very good. Katie, this, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for, for the work that you do, for sharing some of it with us, and, and we wish you continued success. And if there's anything we can do to help you, uh, don't hesitate to let me know. Well, thank you so much for your thoughtfulness. And, yeah, I, I just really appreciate you're wanting people to be informed and to make decisions for themselves about this stuff. So thanks for getting the words out. <laughs> it's, it's our pleasure. All right, that's it, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. Uh, again, naturalstacks.com for the blog post version of this with a tremendous amount of links and resources for you to uh, follow up with. Thanks to Katie. And please, Go to iTunes, leave us a review, let us know how much you like this episode or the OPP itself, and please share this episode with anybody in your life that you know of, that you care about, that you think will benefit from hearing this message, and continue to share the OPP uh, as a podcast. That's how we grow. That's how we help more people. Thank you guys for your time, and we'll talk to you next Thursday.